My next guest is an international multi-award winning author. Brought up a strict Seventh-day Adventist and now a motivational speaker and a clairvoyant medium. Katrina Jane was adopted as a baby before her parents split when she was just five, leading her into indoctrination with the Seventh-day Adventist church. Her mother then married a man who stalked them for two years. This was until her father committed suicide when she was just 15. Please welcome to the show, Katrina. How are you, Katrina? Welcome. I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. We really appreciate your time and thank you so much for coming on to the show. My pleasure. So, Katrina, tell us about your work. Oh, it's a bit of an unusual thing that I do. Um, and I'm actually super close to the people that I'm clairvoyant. I am clairvoyant with you. Uh, not because in any way, shape, or form that I'm embarrassed about what I do or that I'm worried about the reaction, but it's because I can imagine that would be really hard. I love what I do. For me, there's nothing better than when you're doing a reading for someone, whether they're grieving or they're just feeling lost in a different direction or closure. It's a really good feeling when that happens. Yeah, I can imagine that would be amazing, actually. You're listening to Ants Talk. Myself, I've, I've, you know, I've had very little experience with it with clairvoyance, but um, there is one story that I tell that w- before I actually met my now husband, I was contacted on a dating app by a gentleman that said to me he had a message for me and he was telling me that I was about to meet the one and that they were going to have grey hair and George Clooney style look and we were going to move in together and my cat was going to die and we're going to get another animal together, the whole thing. And I sort of took it with a grain of salt, especially because it was online and it was over an app. Um, And then, you know, within two, three weeks, I met my now husband and he's got grey hair, George Clooney style look and I've my cat died and I got a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing when it all sort of falls into place and you look at and go, oh my god. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he even told me very personal information about my husband that I didn't even know about at the time or when I met him. Um, so when I was telling my husband about it, he was just absolutely freaking out. <laughs> well, that was all good stuff. Yeah, oh, it was all good stuff. Yeah, nothing bad. No, no, um, you know, dubious past there, <laughs> thankfully. Ants <laughs> talk. It's like Oprah, but not. So tell us about your childhood and how you ended up being involved with the church. Yeah, sure. Look, I was kind of born into it. My paternal grandfather was actually minister of the FDA church, and my maternal grandfather was very high up. So both families were actually very strict. When my parents uh, moved over to Perth, which is where I was uh, born, they stopped going to Perth. So probably the first five years of my life wasn't very religious fan, but once my parents divorced and mum and uh, kids moved back to Wagga, back to New South Wales, we lived with her parents, so it went to very, very strict. And then with my mum's third marriage, um, her husband got to brought up in the Australian Adventist Church. They actually even stripped like women and their parents, they must have dressed very long hair, all that sort of thing. So for me, through my teenage years, we didn't have a TV at home. It was really, really strict. And 
I suppose for me, you just live it, you know, you, you don't really like how to get deep because you don't really have much to do with other people. Yeah. So, tell us, um, what's your uh, view on religion today? I'm not anti-religion, I do have to say that, even though they might sound kind of thing, probably the devil's work now. I actually think that religion for some people can play a really important part. Like, for some people, going to church gives them that sense of family, that sense of belonging, but they might not get anywhere else. Because some people don't have a family. Sure. You know, and... I always say to people, look, if going to church brings you peace and calm and gives you a purpose, that's a beautiful thing. Just don't ram it down my throat. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to push my beliefs on anybody. If you want to ask about it, I'll tell you, but don't try and Bible bash me. Sure. When I was very young, um, my parents split up for the first time for a little bit and we were sent to my grandparents where who were quite religious and would send us to Sunday school and you know there was also a midweek class that we'd go to and stuff like that and um I found that even though I mean I loved it back then I mean it was fascinating it was different I didn't really gel to the whole religion part what I gelled to was the sense of these people that were just treating me lovely and that I could turn up to and you know have these sort of people that cared and you know would entertain me and you know they're, they're a different breed of people you know what I mean especially within the community they're you know they I, I suppose they're using a very gentle hand with with children especially like myself that came from you know quite a poor background and you know was obviously living with their the grandparents because I mean as you can imagine everyone would know where exactly what was happening in our lives back in that day you know being in from such a small community they would have been like oh yeah they're those kids that parents are separated you know um but i just really found it comforting in that sense absolutely yeah exactly and it is such a great community thing and especially for children yes so um what do you think what do you think the major thing people get wrong when they think about clairvoyance that we know everything i bet people have this perception that oh you're clairvoyant therefore you must know Everything. It's like, no, I'm not God. I don't profess to be God. I'm not omnipotent. <laughs> I can only give what I get. And even like you were talking about the, the message that you got about your future partner, you know, they still don't know absolutely everything about your partner or even about you. No, they exactly. They just got that information and they gave it to you. And I say to people, look, you know, I don't know your bank account number. You know, I, I wish I knew the lotto numbers, but I don't. I'm a messenger. Yeah. And it's no different to the postman who comes to your house and delivers a letter. If he opened up that letter and read it, that's all he knows. That's he right. Know the background to the letter, so that's all he can give you. And the other thing too is, um, if somebody wants to connect with somebody in the spirit world, I go, I can't force them to come through. So it's no different to if you try and ring a friend, you can't make them answer the phone. No, so that's right. Ringing or whatever, but you know, you can't force it. So we just conjure it. That's what clairvoyants are. So, you know, people, when you go and have a clairvoyant reading, take it all with a grain of salt because, as I say to people when they're having a reading with me, if I just get a word, that word can have three different meanings depending on the context. Yeah. So sometimes you do, you just get a word and you go, all right, maybe I'm going to go down this path. So you've got to be open to the interpretation of what you're being given 
And don't sit there with your hands folded expecting the clairvoyant to know everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're like going to your GP, sitting down like a GP, why are you doing that? Well, you should know you're the GP. <laughs> oh. You know, basically you've got to work on what they get given. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've watched the um, the clairvoyant that's on TV at the moment. I won't mention the name in case I get in trouble for using it. <laughs> but he, he's a very, everyone would probably know, he's a very young guy, does celebrities, stuff like that. Yep. Um, and I remember when he actually um, did a reading with Boy George. And yep. funny enough, I thought that Boy George would be very open to it, but he was very closed off and very, as you just said, basically sat there with his arms crossed, basically saying, you know, shouldn't you know that? And, or, or just he was actually flatly going, no, no, you know, th- that's not right, no, yep. where he wasn't actually even acknowledging what he was hearing, letting it sort of sink in. And then while I suppose that's the problem too when you're sitting in that situation is because you're hearing all this information, you need to take that in and then almost work out where it could possibly come from. I think that's... Yeah, so I mean, I think it would probably be a good idea if most people were going to go and have a reading, maybe even take a a recording of it so you can listen back and... Well, I do. Yeah. If you have a phone reading, whatever, then I actually record it and send it to them. I say, that way you just relax it, have a chat, you can analyse it later. That's such a great idea because I think that's what a lot of people are doing is they're trying to... You know, the first thing you say, they're still trying to, you know, work out in their head where it comes from while you've just Mm. finished telling them another five things that they didn't actually hear. And he was almost doing that by being just very closed off and just going, no, no. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I know, yeah. I've actually had that in a room. And at the end, I said, well, what do you want? You know, you're obviously not happy. And then she repeated me, like, well, I want to know X, Y, Z. And so it's everything I've actually said to her. Crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, you work through a very hard time with depression. It's such a prevalent issue these days, especially with social media. Um, tell us what you think helped you through the most. To be honest, there's probably a number of things. I don't believe there's a one fix message to everybody. We're all on different journeys and different insults. Some people need medication when they're on depression, other people don't. Um, the thing is that I took into account and it worked for me was seeing a psychologist. Uh, I do believe it's important to talk to somebody who's not attached to the situation. Like, friends and family can mean more, but I'd say, oh, you're good, you'll be okay, you'll be, you'll you know, and it's like, that's what, you don't need to hear that. Yeah. When, when you're suffering depression. So, you know, psychologist very much is a big um, impact for me. But I've actually doing readings, actually, as a clairvoyant, because when I do readings, and it sounds probably a little bit weird, I have to shut off my everyday normal brain and it actually gave my brain a rest because I had to just focus on giving information to somebody else. Sure. And for me, that monkey mind that was constantly nagging at me and, you know, saying all the things to me to just turn off. And it's like, oh. And then I did a lot of reading. I'm a person that needs information. I need to read lots of different things so that I can process, as you were saying earlier, process things and then decide what's best for me or what I want to believe. So I read lots and lots on depression and anxiety and all those sorts of things. And I know most people in life are not with bucket list saying, these are the things that I want to do because it's something I really want to do. I actually decided to push my limits and, and try and show myself how strong I could be by making this the things that I didn't want to do. The things that terrified me. So, you know, I'm scared of snakes. So when we get nine, I had a big passing joke around my neck. 
better heart. So in Zealand, I did a bungee jump. You know, I had sure. really bad self-esteem, so I did a really good uh, photo shoot. And then I took up pole dancing. It's something I thought, exercise, I say is good, and I'm now addicted to it. <laughs> I love my pole dancing. I love that. So, I do. It, and it's just one of those things, and it, that really helped my self-esteem as well. And the last thing that I'd say to people if they're suffering from depression is every day, a hundred times a day, I would say to myself, I'm okay, I'm happy, I've got this. I'm okay, I'm happy, I've got this. Even though I wasn't feeling like that at all, even though I was sitting there flushing the hell going to commit suicide, I still told myself that. And then one day, it was probably about two years in, I was sitting on the lounge and I went, it's okay, you've got this, you're happy. And I stopped and I thought, no, I actually am okay. I do have this. And while, you know, and I am feeling better. Like, I, you know, I'm not, you know, happy, happy. I'm like 100%. But I had turned the corner. And for me, it was just this huge, okay, I've got this now, you know, and it'll just keep going with it. Yeah, definitely. I get that. So tell me, who do you think the majority of your clients are? At this stage, I would say women. Uh, though I am getting more male clients. And I know this is going to sound a bit really weird. But I actually do always think it's just the mood. Whatever the mood doing dictates to people because I have this influx and it goes in cycles. But one week everybody wants to know about having children. And then the next week it'll be about finding their soulmates. And then the week after that it'll be finding their life purpose. And you'll have to do different things in between, but it's just like they're going in this cycle of things. So I think I'm like, I'm just like, it goes out to the moon. So, you know, if you're suddenly wondering about finding your soulmate, you could be a full moon or something. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I suppose, like, from me, from my own personal experience, it, it has been majority women that have ever mentioned it, talked to me about it, discussed it, or even took me to one. Um, and you also, I mean, it, I love the fact that people do it different ways, you know, because I remember one lady that I went to see, she was a little sort of little old i don't even know what ethnicity she was but she was out in the outer suburbs of sydney these lebanese women that i knew took me there and we went out there and it was this little tiny suburban house with a little garage off to the side and literally people sit and line up all day going to see her it literally gets yeah. a line up and we were first ones of the fir- of the morning so we were in there first and she actually used um cards yeah. so she sort of you know sort of flipped a few cards and then asked me to choose some and then laid them out and i mean again she was so spot on <laughs> Like I'd actually just injured myself at work and was going to court and stuff like that about it. She literally mentioned every one of those things. She even told me that I'd win, you know, win the case after two times. The court case went for two times and I did end up getting money at the end. So it was just, you know, absolutely, you know, mind-blowing. But I just love that, you know, she uses cards, you just get messages, other people use tea leaves, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. No, it's brilliant. Um, also, I know that you authored a book on how to help children understand a loved one's passing, which is titled Where Did They Go? What inspired you to write that? It's actually a bit of a sad story. It's, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. 
um, a place where I understand they're messing in the 30s and with Parking Lake and Cancer, which is just horrendous. So he's leaving behind you know, his wife, a four-year-old little boy and a two-year-old little girl. Mm. And when he was literally at the door, he was, you know, within hours of going to pass, they took the children in and said, you need to say goodbye to Daddy. And little Archie, the four-year-old, goes, well, where is he going? And, you know, the adults here said, oh, he's going up into the sky. And he sort of thought about it and went, well, if he's going into the sky, why can't he just catch a plane? Mm. And he could have heard a pin drop because nobody knew what to say. Yeah. And so I, I literally wrote this book for them. I mean, it was down on the four international book awards. And it, it, to me, it's an important book in the fact that, you know, we, we never know. Like, even... We're never prepared for this in the sense that, mate, there can be car accidents, heart attacks. You know, there's, there's not a way, oh, somebody's going to be dying with this thing. And the book I wrote in a way that I hope will help people open up the conversation. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's not really just based at all. So, you know, if you believe in heaven, you can talk about heaven. If you don't believe in heaven, you know, you, you can say, I don't believe in heaven. But sure. I just, it, it's just one of those things that it's just so sad to have to write it, but... I did, and I've actually used Archie's words in the first part of the book. Hmm. Um, when it starts off. And it's, yeah, it's just a tragic situation that I feel we really need to be talking more about. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, even with my sister's passing, you know, she was 42 and I was probably... I think I was 35 or something. I mean, even I don't understand it. You know, it's it's yeah. it's such a horrific time everything it, it's so daunting and uh, you know the and grief is a, a such a monster it's 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 you don't even know what to expect or how long it is and, and I do believe that it never goes away I mean grief is always there um, and it's funny that you know even myself yeah correct even myself I um you know I'm 50 and I've experienced people, even from my my grandfather, who was the first person to, to pass away in front of me. So, I mean, and I had a lot of people die around me and it's through my whole life, which in a way d- does set you up for grief. Um, but then being a sibling, it was a very different type altogether. Mm. Nothing can prepare you for that, you know, that sort yeah. of immediate family. Um, but funny enough, my husband, he hasn't really experience anyone passing and it's yeah. you know it's, it's such a, it's, it's like that. yeah it's funny how it is like that i mean mm. I, I mean i i think that you know I, i've never really liked funerals anyway but yeah. since my sisters it's been very hard to even consider going to one <laughs> mm. you know it's yeah definitely especially in that situation because with a lot of people that you know that pass away you're not in the immediate space with them when they do pass Mm. so you're not you're only ever left with the lovely memories really of them even though you're sad about the situation you know most of the time you'll you know the last time you saw them was in a normal situation and you know yada 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 where with my sister, you know, I mean, I was in the room when she passed. I saw, you know, I then saw her again at the funeral. And so it's it's a very different experience around that. Yeah. So it is, I mean, I think, you know, that book could, could do not just children well, but everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say the biggest lesson for people in that situation is? 
This is Anne's Talk. Yeah, I think that a lot of us go wrong there because we just assume that children don't get it or yeah. we, we assume that they're just not conscious and present where if we actually look back at our own childhood and, and, and the way that we did see things when we were younger, we always knew that something was changing or happening or you know we can experience it sure we didn't understand it but we know that something was happening you know so i don't know why people then forget that when they start to have their own children i i, I think when it comes to grief i think one of the things is to go through grief and they just can't find the right word and i suppose in a way they don't want to put their children through the pain that they're going through yeah it's true. It's a hard one. It's definitely a hard one. It is. It's a very, it's a very difficult one. But like I said, the book I wrote in a way that it just takes the pressure off the parents or the adults in how to explain things. Yeah. You sit down and read the book and let the children ask questions. Oh, so you've aimed it as at, at a parent reading it to the child? Yes, yes. Oh, that's a good idea because then they can also yes. be have those answers, you know? Yes, you can talk to them about it. Like I said, that you can read to it and go, oh, no. Soul and the body, so you know, the kids can understand, but no, they leave messages. And it's a wonderful way to open up dialogue. And, you know, one day, you know, in a long time away, when I pass away, what messages am I going to leave to my loved one? Hmm. Very true. Very true indeed. Um, Katrina, how I, I need to wrap it up, especially because I today I'm in a flight path. Would you like? Would you like to know? <laughs> um, I've just heard about four planes fly over just while we were doing this interview. <laughs> so, if people wanted to actually contact you for a reading or advice or anything like that, how can they contact you? Very simply, go to my website. So, Fantastic. Everybody get on to that. Thank you so much, Katrina, for coming on to the show today. We really appreciate time appreciate your time and really appreciate all your advice and words. It's um it's been brilliant. Wonderful. And it's my pleasure. Thank you. Speak soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Love a podcast? Love some ants talk.